0: And our scripture reading for this morning comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1 through 12. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And our sermon title today is Holiness, Living Our Faith. This is the Lord's Word. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus, that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. That you abstain from sexual immorality. That each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. Not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this manner because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God who who gives his Holy Spirit, To you. Now, concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, do this more and more, and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs to work with your hands as we instructed you so, that you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his holy word. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's good to see all of you and good to see all of you out there online as well. It's a cold morning. It's a morning of uh, daylight savings and perhaps some of you forgot to set your clocks back, or perhaps your phones aren't working properly. Um, but either way, I hope that your your minds are all right today. If not, it's okay. God's Spirit continues to work in us, uh, even in our tiredness, even in our meekness, even in our trials and tribulations. We trust not in how we are doing, not in how our hearts are at the moment, but we trust in God, our loving Father, to always know what is best for us. And so praise be to the Lord for gathering us here to worship Him once again. As we continue our series on First Thessalonians, we come to the passage where Paul is finally getting to the point where he wants the church at Thessalonica to understand and to know what it means to live a life pleasing to God. Now, before we get into sort of what it means to live a life pleasing to God, we must remember in chapters one through three that this command to live a holy life is grounded and based upon what Paul has said in those three chapters. Remember, Paul tells them lovingly, listen, I've come to you. I came to you as a father and as a mother. I spent three Sabbaths with you, three weeks with you, a long time, a long duration compared to the other cities that Paul visited. And I loved you. I nurtured you. I preached the gospel faithfully to you. I taught you that all of us All of us has fallen short of the glory of God. I have taught you that Christ himself has come to bring redemption for all of us. That while you were yet still far away from the Lord, Jesus drew near. And that when Jesus drew near to you, you heard the word of God. Paul also encourages them, saying that in your hearing, you do not simply hear words, but the hearing of the gospel came with power. That the Holy Spirit came upon you and, with, and renewed your heart. You have borne fruit so that all of Macedonia and even all the known world has heard of your faith. They know that Christ has come into your lives. And not only is the whole world changed before because of that, me, myself, Paul, who was worried about you while I, while I was in prison, worried that your faith will come to naught, worried that that seed that, that I planted would somehow be taken away, worried so much I sent my, my, uh, my dear Timothy to, to go and, 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 and search what is happening. Even amongst that, I was encouraged to hear that Jesus is your Savior and that you are living the life for the Lord. The third thing that, he, that he's encouraged by is the, is the way we love one another. How the church in Thessalonia were, were, were gathering together, were helping each other, was encouraging one another in the Lord Jesus Christ. This atmosphere, there's this culture of Holy Spirit-driven gospel-driven love amongst the people enables Paul to go forth to talk about what it means to live a holy life. And this is important for all of us because living a holy life apart from the gospel will only lead us to be legalistic, law-keeping people will only lead us to be harsh and hard on others and harsh and hard on ourselves. Will drive us inward to try to change our own lives instead of seeing how God is changing our lives at this very moment. Will drive us to depend upon ourselves and to the wisdom of this world instead of the wisdom of God and the power of God himself. Remember last week when we talked about sanctification, when we talked about what it meant to grow in the Lord, that there are false ways to grow. One is asceticism, right? We we try to beat our own bodies. We look to the wisdom of the world and we say, world, how is it that I can be a better person? And we take that and say, this, this is the only way that I can become better. For some of us, we, we look to the supernatural. We go, God, you've got to do an extra nat- a supernatural, an extra work in me. I need some extra grace, something apart from the word of God, something apart from what you've already given me in the Holy Spirit, something different. I need something extra, a little boost I can conquer my flesh. And if we do that, you will wait forever. Because the only time that we will be completely free, free of all of our sin, is when Christ comes back. And thirdly, for some of us, it's we, 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 we look and say, if I just read scripture more, if I pray more, if I do these spiritual disciplines more. But apart from, for many of us, apart from understanding God's love and God's grace, apart from appreciating what God is already doing in you, apart from appreciating the work of Christ and the community that live, we live in, we simply do religious things simply to, as, as a, as, as a currency to want God to change us, God won't change us. Religious law-keeping is not the answer either. And so as we go into this passage, we go into it with a gospel fullness, with a plethora, an overflowing what God is already doing in us. And so we do so with confidence, not with fear. We do so with eager expectation, not with dread. We do so joyfully, even though it might be hard, not reluctantly. For the love of God permeates all that we do to live a life holy unto the Lord. This is the joy that God wants in us as we seek to follow him all the days of our lives. Here in this passage, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, there are two things I want to focus upon about holy living. The first is about sexuality and the second is about work. Now you might think about look at this and go, oh my goodness, sexuality. Let's not talk about that. That's going to be very difficult. That's going to be very hard for us to hear. And to listen to. When we hear about that, the only thing, the many things that we think about, as we think about, well, all the scandals that have happened in the history of the church, and the scandals that have ha- happened um, in, in, in very recent, very recently, as well, we think of it as something that's unforgivable. We think of the Christian church as a place where, of course, there should there should not be any type. Of, of 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 sexual sin. Because if there were, then perhaps God's not working in this church or in this fellowship. even in this church, Thessalonia, a church that Paul loves, a church that Paul commends, he understands and he knows that even in the midst of that church, the issue of sexual purity is paramount. And so it is here. So it is here at this church and every church as well. Now, if we look through this passage, you see first and foremost, Paul going back in verse two and verse three, just restating to them and saying, listen, you know that I've instructed you about this before. And he says that, and if you read this passage, it's not with any twinge of judgmental, of being judgmental. It's out of love. The second he says in verse 3, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. Then he gives them confidence in knowing that that. That God is at work here, but this isn't something that is going to be that is, is not that is um, um, not conducive or does not is not in line with the Christian life. But that this is God's will for you, and that this will come to, to pass. And so we look forward to what God is going to be doing for us. We look forward to God growing us in our sanctification itself but here's what he says that all of us should abstain from sexual immorality now that term sexual immorality is has is broad in its meaning it can be as as simple as our thoughts and it can be as extreme as taking advantage of another person but Paul is very much aware that this is in the hearts of all people and he says to us that listen even though we know who God is and we know the love of Christ in our lives that each and every one of us should not be naive about our hearts and And not be be naive about how God has made us. But that each and every one of you, you must learn how to control your body. Think about that. All too often when we come to know Jesus, when we come to know Christ, we feel like that our passion should be switched just like that. We feel like that purity should be switched on just like that. Maybe some of you have gone to retreats where a pastor spoke upon this and said, who here wants to give their lives over to the Lord and their lives to purity? And you raise your hand and you think that at that moment, a switch has been turned on. And that you automatically become this this holy person before the Lord and before other people. But this pastor says something very different. You have to learn how to control your body. That there's a process that goes as you age to learn how to control your desires, to know how to understand your body in such a way that you do not give in to sexual temptation. Now you may think, well, is this a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's a good thing because Paul is simply here stating what the reality of the situation is for all of us. He's not trying to say, listen, let's over-spiritualize this and let's just pray really hard and God will take this away from you. He's not saying to you, listen, just beat your body, you know, beat it up really well, and so the desire goes away, a la Martin Luther, who would actually roll in a bed of thorns But God says to us, listen, those desires I have given to you that are good. But you must learn how to control them. Now the good news is this. You are not like those who do not know God. Like the Gentiles. And he's using that term Gentiles in terms of those who do not know God. He says, those who do not know God do not know and do not have the power to control their bodies. They simply live as their lust desires. And if they do control their lust, it's for other purposes that they have, other goals that they might have. But you, you know God your passions have been reoriented that Jesus and God and knowing him is more precious than fulfilling whatever desires that you might have in your heart. Jesus is more than enough for all of us. Jesus and following him and loving him the spirit that lives in us is more than enough to fulfill us you have to remember something sexuality is an important part of who you are but ultimately it's not the whole it's not everything that you are you are more than your sexuality You are a person made in God's image, made to be loved by him. You are a person made to have beautiful community and relationships with other people in a way that is fulfilling. You are a person who is made to work, made to laugh, made to enjoy all that God has made. You are a person who is made to come before the Lord and enjoy his fellowship, and enjoy his love. You are a person who is made to enjoy seeing God, other people in Christ uh, grow in their faith. You are a person whose heart leaps now when other people come to know the Lord. You are a person who is made in relationship with Christ, in relationship to his church, in relationship to other people. This is the center of our identity, not our sexuality. And so for all of us, as we learn what it means to be a woman and a man, as we continue to grow and as continue to age, we must learn to control our bodies in a way that honors God. honors him and him alone. We must learn that the desire that we have can indeed, is, 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 does not overwhelm us anymore, but that God himself and the desire for us to worship him is what controls us. And as we fight the battle to, to, to control in a way that honors him, we know that by God's Spirit, we can do it. Now I know that for many of us here and many of us out there, it still feels like a long battle, and it might be for some of us, depending on what what's happened to you in the past, in terms of where you are in the present. But I will say this, and, and God will say this, is that listen, you can learn. You can learn. You can grow. So have patience with one another. Men encourage each other, women encourage each other. Wherever we may be in this this, uh, desire to to, um, please our Lord, do so in a manner that has confidence in God. Another point here is that, listen, that to transgress the law by taking advantage of someone else in the manner of sexuality is abhorrent to God. It's abhorrent to God. That to love one another well, even in the community of God, means that we respect one another. And if we transgress in such a way that is sexual in nature, look what he says in verse 6. You're not going to see this language much anywhere else in Scripture. It says that no one transgressed and wronged his brother in this manner because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. As we told you beforehand, and solemnly warned you that there is judgment that comes upon us when we wrong each other in such a way that we encourage each other to 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 our lusts, or do we act upon our lusts? That's a heart to God. Why? Because. It goes to the core of a lot of who we are as God's, as, as God's people. Yes, we're more than our sexuality, but the core of our sexuality goes a lot to simply what it means to be loved, an expression of love. And so we ourselves must be careful to watch out for one another and to encourage one another. For the Lord does not want us to live an unholy life or an impure pure life, but to live a life of holiness. Now, if you're in college and, and you're young, um, a lot of us will, look, will say, what's, what's the harm? And our culture says that. It's, it's like, what's the harm? We're consenting adults, what's the harm? I will say that the harm happens because as you continue on this road and if you ask people who have been on this road If you've been with people who is on this road, that you will see that they, many of them, many of them, not all, but many of them are emotionally unstable, that many of them are on pins and needles about what love really is. They're confused about sexuality versus love and commitment. Many of them, many of them get confused about who they are. At the moment, it it looks like a a wonderful thing. But in long term, it, it, it causes hurt that needs to be addressed by the gospel later on. but second for all of us gosh we know the lord we trust that the lord himself will fulfill our hearts he has never ever disappointed his people so to live a holy life all of us learn to control your bodies in a way that is honorable to god Know that sexuality is an important part of who you are, but it's not ultimately who you are. Know and understand that, that all of us need to continue to grow and learn what it means to be a, a person with these desires. Don't fight it in, in a way that's, that lives an ascetic lifestyle. Don't pray that it just sort of goes away. But learn. Talk with one another. Give it to the Lord. Continue to pursue holiness and sanctification. God is there. God will guide you as we pursue him. Now, Paul goes on in 1 Thessalonians to just encourage them once again. He's like, listen, you guys are great in loving one another, right? So he's... After you hear this, a lot, of you, a lot of us might be saying, looking around, going, oh, no, I, I can't, better not, like, oh, my goodness, like I set bigger boundaries and bigger walls and higher walls. But Paul goes on to be encouraging and says, listen, I want you guys to love one another, and you already are doing it. Right? I don't want you to be scared. You're loving one another. Keep doing it. and Do it more and more. Keep growing more and more as a fellowship, as loving one another. Keep growing more and more. So this isn't meant to sort of scare us, especially in our time of age here today. But, it's, but he's saying, listen, this is a natural part of we, who we are. Learn to control yourselves, but also remember you are blessed in your love for one another. Keep increasing in your fellowship. Keep seeking that which, will, which God will be pleased with, which will even fill your hearts with joy for one another and your joy in the Lord. Thirdly, or secondly, he tells us to live a life of holiness in our workplace, to live a life of holiness to the outside world. And this is verse 11. And to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Now, before we get into this passage, this passage is not about, you know, become being a doormat. It's not about being abused by your um, your employer. It's not about letting other other people take advantage of you. We're not talking about extremes here. We're talking about the good that God has given us in our workplace, the good that God has given in society, the good that God has given before us. That our our first duty is to see that God's hand is over government God's hand is over our bosses. God's hand is over our teachers. God's hand is over every authority that there is. And within that framework, that we are to work diligently. Now again, before I get into trouble, I am not talking about abuses I'm not talking about um, about forced labor. I'm not talking about these things that are extreme. But we're talking about how do we live a life within our workplace, within our society. When he says to live quietly and to mind your own affairs, Paul is Paul is speaking to us about not getting involved in silly arguments, not being involved in silly affairs, not being involved in contentious litigation for the sake of being contentious, but to live, well, a quiet life in regards to that. Think of the... There's, um, I didn't know about this until, like, about six months, like, maybe about a year ago. I'm always slow on on things like this. But apparently there's this thing on YouTube or wherever about uh, a term called Karens. And I feel sorry for my friends whose names are Karen. I really do. Um, And I still don't understand. I sort of understand, but I still don't understand why people like watching videos like that. Why do people like watching videos of someone getting unreasonably upset? Why do people like watching other people self-destruct? We as Christians should have mercy on people. Because, I hope instead of, I hope you're not. I hope we're not people who watch that and say, "I watch that so that I know that I'm not as bad as those people." I hope that you watch that and you say, "That could be me." In fact, that probably was me. I'm just glad that I didn't have a camera on me that day. What Paul is saying to us is that we ourselves, we we should strive. Not to get into circumstances like that, to let our tempers get the best of us, to be meddlesome just to be meddlesome, to create tumult when peace and a discussion can ameliorate the situation. Not to scream or to yell, but to talk reasonably with one another. This is what it means to live quietly. It doesn't mean that you're an introvert. It doesn't mean that you're an extrovert. It doesn't mean that you are an introvert does not mean that you are an extrovert does not mean that you can not be sort of a, a gregarious person. It means that don't mind other people's business in such a way that creates conflict just to create conflict. Live quietly. If there's a slight, just walk. And if you need to tell someone, like last last Sunday something happened to me, and I told Rebecca and some other people, you know, you can tell other people, but just keep walking. Live quietly before the Lord. Work with your hands as we instructed you to do. Now, this is a reference, not, not about simply all of us need to be carpenters, although that will be great, you know. But this is a reference to not letting your time be idle, but to be productive in what you do. So in your workplace, be productive in your work. If you're at home, be productive at home. If you're a student, be productive as a student. Be busy with the responsibilities that God has given you. Don't worry about your neighbors and and what God has given them to do. But to work hard and to work well. Now, why is this important? It's just to keep, it's just for us to keep our sanity. I mean, this is this is good advice for anyone, right? But in verse twelve, he says, "Do this so that you may walk properly before outsiders, and they be dependent on no one." There's two reasons. One is as a witness to the Lord. If you live in such a way that you work quietly, that you work well, that you work hard, and that you yeah, you stand up for some people, you, you give suggestions, if you, you are a productive person in your workplace, productive person at, at school, productive person at society, other people around you will start to see that hopefully this person is doing this because they know who Jesus is, that their worth is not in their work, their worth is not in their grades, their worth is not in their standing society but they serve and they love because God has told them to serve and to love. And it's a witness that there's something different about this person. Tim Keller tells this story about how this one woman came to his church and he he asked her, you know, why, you know, how'd you find Redeemer? And she said, basically, my, my boss told me to come here. And, she, and he goes, okay, well, who, who's your boss? You know what? You know, it's like, have you been to church before? And I can't remember the story exactly, but I think she said that, uh, um, you know, she didn't really come to church beforehand. And he goes, well, why'd you come to church? She goes, well, I was doing this work and I messed up. I messed up everywhere else I worked before I got you know I got reprimanded that my managers would would reprimand me that they would tell their higher ups that it was it was my fault this time when I messed up the, the manager he took all the blame he said that he didn't train me well enough that he would help Help me to to, uh, to do the work better. And she it was the first time that she ever experienced that. And she kept asking him, why did you do that for me? Why did you do that for me? Why did you do that for me? And imagine it being in New York City just like here. It's like you're afraid to share your faith, right, because you don't want to have this big explosion. And he finally said to her, listen, it's, it, it's basically because I'm a Christian. And then she asked him, well, where do you go to church? And he said, well, I go to Redeemer. And that's how she went. But okay. outsiders will see. Why is it that when you study that you don't get stressed as much as I do? But Jesus is why I study. when we do so, we're dependent upon no one. We just say our worth is not in what I own, but only on Christ himself. You're dependent upon no one for your worth or for meaning. You can labor well You can be fair. You can let the punches come. You can look at the difficulties of society and work and function well because if something happens, something happens, it's okay. Because God and God himself is Lord over you. So brothers and sisters in Christ, as Paul said so lovingly to the church in First Thessalonians, that he is encouraged by the fact that the gospel has germinated and is growing in the church. As he is so encouraged by watching people love one another and watching the church grow together as they gather and as they worship together. As Paul says, listen, your fruit is being known to all the people in Macedonia and all the world. I say the same to you. Be encouraged. The gospel is growing here. Be encouraged. You're loving one another. Do so more and more. Be encouraged, people outside of this church who knows about CCPC. They're like, this church doesn't mess around. Be encouraged by what God is doing. And in that fertile soil that God has given us, with the fruit that God is bearing in us, be confident and live the holy life that God wants us to live. For surely God wishes for us to grow and to be sanctified in Him. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You. We thank You, Lord, that living a holy life is not a Uh, Living a holy life, Lord, is not something that we have to do to earn our salvation. But living a holy life is the fruit of our life with you. For when we simply live a life of just worshiping you, going to your word, just being in prayer, being with brothers and sisters and encouraging and rebuking each other well, When we live a life, Lord, of just wanting our hearts to belong to you, Lord, the desire to live and be holy to please you comes with it, Lord. We do not belong to this world. We We do not belong to our fleshly desires. We belong to the desires the Holy Spirit has renewed in us. And so, Lord, help us to learn to control our bodies in a way that honors you. And teach us, Lord, to live in the world, especially in our workplace, in such a way, Lord, that honors you. Let our being be dependent upon nothing else, and nothing that the world says about us, Lord God. But may, Lord, we be satisfied in knowing that your unconditional love is ours all is ours from now until all of eternity. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.